Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this episode, I welcome back my friend, Louisa. She has been on the podcast before talking about hypnotherapy, as she is a cognitive behavioral hypnotherapist. But this time, she wanted to share her own experience with getting sober. We discussed sobriety and marriage, as her husband also decided to get sober. We chat about motherhood. Louisa has a toddler, and you can imagine that being sober has been extremely helpful as a mom, especially during the busy toddler phase. Louisa, I want to thank you for all you do for the sober community. Your insight and support is incredible. Thank you for letting us in on your journey. This is Louisa Sober. Hello, Louisa. How are you? Hello, Steph. It's so nice to see you. You too. Always good to see you. (laughs) I'm excited to have you on. I've already had you on once. So people might be recognizing that that voice. Um, You came on and talked about hypnotherapy. But today we're going to talk about your sobriety story. You're ready to share it. I'm ready to share it. It's and taken ex- a while. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's it needs to be shared. And um, I think always the best place to start is the beginning. Like, how did alcohol uh, insert itself into your life? That's a really good phrase. I like that because it did <laughs> insert itself into my life and then made a little placeholder. So how did it start? Really, I didn't grow up around a lot of alcohol. I didn't grow up in a house where my parents were heavy drinkers or anything like that. So I didn't get any messages that that it was okay to drink every evening. My parents would have a glass of wine with dinner. You know, they were they were very sensible, very moderate. They didn't go to the pub. They never went clubbing. They didn't like going to rest, you know, out too much. So I don't quite know where I got this idea from that it was just normal to to drink at home. I don't know maybe society, maybe I've picked it up from somewhere. But I didn't drink really until I was probably 20, 21. Um, So I did dabble in my teenage years and I was violently, violently sick um, after a party the one day in front of everyone at the school. Mm. So that was mortifying. Um, And I think that's probably why as a drinker, I never ever like to be out of control. So I can get really, you know, my mum's got this fabulous saying, drunk up to the neck, never more than the level of your neck. And I was really good at mastering that. I could slow down enough that I still had enough about me. Don't get me wrong. I've misjudged it on a few occasions. Yeah. I wouldn't be sick. I wouldn't fall over. I wouldn't do anything too stupid. You know, I would rein it in. If I started to feel in a group of people that you're talking rubbish now, I know you said something else. (laughs) I don't know if you're allowed to swear. <laughs> you're talking rubbish now, Louisa. Um, that I would sort of mentally check myself and slow down. Um, and I know that's quite different to some people. Some people didn't feel like that, but I was just so scared of making a fool of myself or throwing up. Yeah, I was the same. Oh, really? I, yeah, I I knew my limit as far as like throwing up mm. because, like you, I remember getting sick. And well, I started drinking in high school. So I remember getting sick in high school and um, I just don't like throwing up. 
I wasn't really mortified about throwing up. Like, like in that sense, I just really do not like getting sick. And mm-hmm. so I learned how to do that as well. Like, I love you the drink that. up. Like, I love like the drink up to your neck. Cause like, I'm like <laughs> that makes sense. Like I knew my tipping point. Right. Yeah. That's exactly at the tipping point. Mm-hmm. If you, if you paste it right, you could always stay the right side of the tipping point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I always did. So I could carry on drinking, but I'd stay the right side. And whereas my husband is the opposite. My husband is a, just throw everything out the window. Don't care drinker. And so I would then often be the sensible one saying, okay, like drinkers love to hear this. Don't you think you should, don't you think you've had enough? Do you know, do you think maybe do you want some water? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that ain't going to happen. So um, yeah. So it was always an interesting dynamic when we were drinking, I have to say, um, because I was always reasonably compassmentous and then he would sort of go a little bit more crazy, but he didn't do that often. Don't get me wrong. Um, but <laughs> It was just difficult because I did sort of feel that I had to. So on our wedding day, for example, he switched from lager, which he was happily drinking. and could drink a lot of over a long period of time. Um, and we had a really small, intimate wedding where it was just us and a couple of witnesses. And it was just us at the end of the night. And he switched to red wine. And I was watching him gulping this red wine down. And I was thinking, oh, no, this is not going to end. That's well. not going to be good. <laughs> So he doesn't seem to differentiate between the drinks either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whereas me, I wouldn't touch spirits. I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't touch anything that scared me. So I never did drugs or anything like that because I was just terrified of what they could feel like, losing control, and I think that held me in good stead. Um, but as far as where my drinking started, I was basically in a relationship that I should have left a couple of years previously it was one of those you get together young um and you stay together and then it's ticking the boxes you get a house and you get engaged then you get married you know and it was just box ticking basically Mm -hmm. and I think we were either coming up to the wedding or just after the wedding but I felt trapped I really felt like I'd got myself into a bit of a pickle we were married definitely at that Mm -hmm. point and I just thought what what am I doing? I'm not happy. I'm not happy in life. I'm not happy myself. And my mental health just took a real nose drive, uh, nose drive, nose dive. And um, I ended up with, a, you know, an eating disorder recurred that I'd had in my teenage years. So that was a way I felt more in control, but I just felt mm. I couldn't, couldn't get out of this marriage. I was young marrying him anyway. And you know, what was I thinking? I look back on it and I just, I was a child. I was 20. So, so what did your drinking look like then? Like, did it progress or? I can't remember. I think I just hung around with people who thought it was okay to drink a mm-hmm. bottle of wine at night on your own. Um, I had one dear, dear friend, um, still do, um, that, that, she would joke about it and she was 10 years older than me and so I just it was funny do you know what I mean you laugh Mm -hmm. about it oh I know and I know I would get a bottle of wine he wasn't a drinker you see my my husband at the time wasn't a drinker and he was 11 years older than me and he was a bit of a third parent in a way Mm -hmm. kind of like that sensible voice very a good egg he was a good chap you know, wasn't anybody's fault. It's just we shouldn't have got married. Yeah. Um, but I was bored. 
And boredom has always been a big driver. There's two drivers for me with drinking I've learned. Boredom and trying to switch my head off. Those mm-hmm. are the two things that um, that I would use alcohol for. And I had no idea how to, at that time, because I wasn't in this line of work of you know therapy work, I didn't know how to still my mind. I thought my mind was, I thought I was insane. I actually thought I was crazy. I'd feel my mind telling these stories and going down these rabbit holes and then add into that the fact that then I'd started drinking a, a bottle of wine a night, nearly, I think, most nights. Mm-hmm. I was doing that when he'd gone to bed early. Um, so we didn't have anything in common is probably what I would say. He would go to bed early. I then sit there with the evening in front of me thinking, well, what do you do? So I'd ring a friend and we'd both sit on the end of the phone drinking. Mm. And we both have a bottle each. But I would go out to um, friends all the time and I would never, ever drink if I was out driving, going anywhere. I would never even touch a drop of alcohol. I was scared, too scared to lose my license. Yeah. So I was very controlled always. But my I would always set a limit, you know, you can have that bottle and that's it. And I'd never consider going past that limit. And then... I don't know if we were on holiday or something, it would be a few beers and then a bottle of wine. And mm-hmm. my drinking didn't really, it was, it was steady. By the time I decided that I wanted out of the marriage and we sort of finally parted ways, I was 24. And yeah, it, I then got into a relationship with somebody who was a heavy drinker. It was almost like I'd said to myself, sod these sober people there, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not in a relationship one of them again they're a pain in the ass well I just have to like say it's kind of a way to enable what you created right you've created this habit of drinking and you definitely don't want to have someone in your life that's going to call you out on that oh absolutely and so like yeah because I know that's everyone around me had to be a drinker yeah and at the time you don't even realize that's what you're doing right like you for me at least I I really didn't realize that's what I was doing in a negative way. It was, these are my people. This is my tribe. Because I I identified as someone who likes to drink. So therefore, I want to hang out with other people who like to drink. It was completely, in my mind, an innocent thing. It was completely like, this is what we have in common. But now looking back, it was an enabling situation. It was an enabling relationship on both ends. Exactly. And that's exactly what I did. I almost, I didn't consciously think, or maybe I did consciously think, I don't know. I No, I did consciously think, sod that, I don't want to be with a non-drinker. <laughs> right. Because I had the nagging, I'd had the, are you sure you've had enough? Do you think you should have that? Mm-hmm. Um, I recall our wedding day, actually, really massive wedding. You know, my, I'm an only child, only daughter. So, you know, it's a really big, big white wedding and um, big dress and marquee and, and my then husband said, no, you're not going to drink, are you? No, I was never one for getting drunk anyway, as we've established. But he put the rules down and I didn't. I didn't drink on the wedding day. But because we we really never spent time together, he was off talking to his friends. And, and when I saw him at the end of the night, somebody had literally managed to get him to drink about 12 pints of Guinness. And he was falling all over the place. And we had a 5 a.m. flight um, the next morning. Oh, um, we had to be up at three in the morning. And this was like 11 o'clock at night. He's staggering in, looking all green. And I'm like, right, I'm getting my revenge. 
that was probably okay, not a good time, time for I've him. Ever, yeah, I mean, it's the only time I've ever seen him drunk, and it's it, he was green the whole time. It was. I shouldn't. I'm not laughing, um, but I was told not to drink. I think was the the point, and I, I yeah. didn't. I was so conformist. I was such a conformist. Yeah. Um, but there was also this inner rebel in me that mm-hmm. I didn't like being told. So you mm-hmm. couldn't tell me to slow down, you know. Particularly if if I was in a relationship with you. So I chose. Then subsequent relationships were with drinkers, mm-hmm. and I chose drinkers, and I chose somebody that would like my parents did, share the bottle of wine with me. Except, um, thinking back to then, you could buy three bottles for a tenner. I'll say, was it only one bottle of wine that we're sharing? (laughs) (laughs) You caught me out. (laughs) Just thinking it was, I don't know if anybody will remember this, but you could go to like the corner shop and buy three bottles for £10. Okay. And, cool, you wouldn't do that now. Thank goodness. But me and my then husband partner because I ended up marrying him as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't do anything by halves mm-hmm. um but he we would share we would have a bottle each sorry we would share the three for and then maybe split the third bottle oh yeah if it was a weekend or if it was a Tuesday or something I'll say okay, that ended in why so it became that that was that was kind of the thing so yeah as far as husbands go <laughs> You've kind of worked out that Dale is my third husband. Um, third time's a charm is all I will say. Yeah. Got me a good <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about Dale a second because he also is sober. Like He decided to get sober with you. And you know my relationship. We've talked about it. I don't have the same dynamic in my marriage. Um, so I'm I'm just interested on how that is going so far and how you guys, you know, support each other in that. It, it was a really strange one because it's probably the thing I get most asked about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't ask, I didn't say to him he needed to go sober. You know, I decided to go sober because I became very scared about my health. I didn't have a health scare, but I was sort of realizing, come on, Louisa, you're 44, you know, get a grip now you can't be drinking wine every night even you know I'd I'd never put a bottle back in the fridge for goodness sake a bottle was if I was opening a bottle I was drinking a bottle and so I'd have nights off but I was just constantly preoccupied with it whether I was or wasn't drinking and I could talk myself into drinking so much and Dale was the same so Dale is also or was also a drinker I'd attracted another drinker and we used to enable each other. And so if we said, because we've had stints of going, oh, come on, no drinking in the week. And he would ring. He used to have this real knack of ringing at four o'clock. You're right. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We drinking tonight. Well, we said we weren't. And it would be like, well, you've planted the seed now. Uh huh. Of course we are. Bang. And then I'd be like, well, I'd be on the school run. He knew that was the time for the school run. So he would, he knew (laughs) I sussed this very quickly, but of course I wanted to be enabled. He wanted to be enabled. We were enabled. You just needed that little okay from the other person to dive in, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know. You know? Uh So yeah, we very, we weren't as good as we should have been at taking nights off, but we, we did do it and um, we didn't get rolling drunk or anything like that. We've had our moments over the years, but nothing 
nothing awful. Um, but for me, I'd I'd hit my or I thought I'd hit my leg and I had a massive bruise on the back of my leg and I couldn't remember hitting it. And something triggered in my brain that I went, oh, my gosh, isn't that something to do with your liver and clotting and mm. bruising, unexplained bruising? And, and I bruised so easily anyway. I don't know, funny enough. Just just realised that. I don't bruise easily. Um, but I would find bruises all over, knock into things, I'd bump into things. And this was a big black bruise on my calf, um, probably about a month before I actually ended up saying enough was enough. And um, it scared me enough to Google it and it scared me enough to look up clotting, you know, blood clotting things. And it, it can be a sign, you know, mm -hmm. it can be a sign. And of course, it was probably a good thing. I read it as a sign. Come on, get your mm -hmm. act together. Dale wasn't bothered. He'd have carried on. Um, and so I said to him, I want to do a 30 day stint. And initially it was like, well, I'll kind of do it with you. I was like, okay, that's fine. But of course, I then kept resetting. And we were both resetting. And then we'd go 18 days and then reset. And it was harder because you're dealing with both people's triggers. Mm -hmm. And so it wouldn't be a lot to be talked into it, whereas I, I couldn't batten down the hatches. So although it may seem like a good thing, in some ways it's a little bit harder. Um, and... He was, I mean, he was brilliant and he didn't realize how bad it had got for me. Even though we talk about everything, I'd kept it to myself, how bad I was feeling, how worried mm -hmm. I was feeling. And then it got to, um, we did the 30 days. We managed 26 out of 30, mm -hmm. which was a real result, very mm -hmm. much celebrated by both of us. But then we just had no direction for a couple of months. Um, and that's where, that was when we said, we've got to do something. We've got to set up a goal. Like you would with anything else in life, you set a mm -hmm. goal. Mm -hmm. And so we looked it up and we were going to do one year no beer. And he loved this idea because he could talk to the blokes at work about it. And it was all, you know, macho and look at what yeah. I'm doing. Running a it's marathon. A catchy, yeah, one year no beer. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do you know what? Whatever we've got to call it, we've got to do something. Mm -hmm. I don't care mm -hmm. how it's labeled or badged. We've just got to do something. And I was really, really struggling with my mental health and and mindset because once I decided to go sober and then was resetting it was like a whole new hell I mean mm -hmm. I help people with habit change I help people with their mental health in clinic and um it's really it, it's hard when you're then struggling yourself and you're thinking come on Louisa what would you take what would you say to yourself come on mm -hmm. I couldn't get myself out of it and of course, anytime I felt low, it was a perfect excuse to drink. And that was making me feel worse. And I was beating myself up about it. And I was doing a lot of crying. And obviously, I filmed it all for Instagram um, because it was a good motivator to have yeah. it there and to go, look, don't remember how shit this is. Don't ever remember how shit this is. Um, because I know about fading effect bias and the fact that you look back with rose tinted glasses. So the drinking didn't get rubbish for me I made quite a calm solid decision to stop drinking initially it was the quitting that then messed with my mental health in the early days until I until I had a word with myself basically and said look come on you've got to sit down and do rigidly what you would tell somebody to do mm -hmm. um, 
and you know everybody's different each to their own it's whatever works for you is fantastic and of course Dale's different to me so what was going to work for him wasn't going to work for me so he realized how bad it had got over Christmas he really mm. did um and we did drink over Christmas and it was really I was down I was really low I sat there with a bottle of wine I just started crying in front of the kids and everything, I just started crying. I said, I don't want to drink this. And everybody was saying to me, well, don't. I'm like, I have to. I have to because I've decided I'm going to. And oh. I just completely lost the plot. I just, I lost the plot. I know we were chatting at the time. Yeah. And you were supporting me. And, and it was just such a messy time. And I just thought, look, just get Christmas out of the way and then hit it. And that's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. um, and did all of the things I would have done properly. And just stop messing around with it because I think I was wasn't doing it half heartedly, but I just I wasn't convinced I'd succeed. Mm. I think was the problem. I was expecting to fail mm -hmm. instead of expecting to succeed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and hoping you don't fail. And so now I have um, I would say a confidence, but I'm really, really I don't I don't want to get complacent, right? And that's what those videos because I don't want to ever forget what quitting was like because those first days were really hard for me then I shifted my mindset and then from then the early days and everything else it was just it felt like a different world just really did feel like a different world from then on and Dale's been amazing in it um he then committed to the year no beer and he's been uh, just phenomenal I didn't expect him to do it really I don't I can't believe it. And it's just made our marriage so much better. So I don't oh. want to make anything feel bad, you know, if, if your partner is drinking or you're struggling with it, but it has improved things. We're all really selfish people when we drink and alcohol in itself is just such a flammable, volatile addition to any, any relationship. I mean, communication is hard enough. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I've talked to you about things in my own marriage and vulnerability and it's, it's hard enough. And then you add alcohol, which just will completely turn your emotions on their head and you can't be rational and you say yeah. things in a way that is hurtful or mean because you just, that layer of giving a fuck is gone. Cause that's oh. what alcohol does. That's why we drank to not care. And I think and that's so that it just comes out. It does. And what I was, we were ending up, because we've got a really, really strong, good marriage. I mean, let's face it, I've got the experience. I know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> it's not like I'm a novice at this shit. <laughs> so, I mean, we have got a good, strong marriage and, yeah. it, you know, any relationship needs working at. And what I find is that when you put alcohol, it's just the easy sticking plaster for anything, you know, tough day at work, good day at work. You know, it didn't matter yeah. what happened. Oh, yeah, I've had a really good day. I've got everything done. Let's celebrate, <laughs> you know. Oh, the kids are driving me mad. Let's commiserate. You know, it just... And then you're enabling each other. So either one of you can have a good or bad day. So I'm so grateful he's doing it. But I knew I had to be prepared to do it without him. And even, you know, we've had conversations. Because when you take away alcohol you don't immediately solve any of the issues you drank for. And as a therapist, obviously, I'm more than aware of that. You know, mm -hmm. I've had to look at why I was drinking. 
And I know that that I have a very active mind to the point that I used to think, as I say, I used to think I was mad. I mean, I no mm-hmm. longer think that. I just know that I've got a very active mind and mm-hmm. I can have a, ten- a tendency to catastrophize, um, overthinking, worrying, those sorts of things. And with my professional head on, I can deal with them and I can see them logically and I can put alcohol into that. And not only was it heightening any sort of anxiety, I would have told you I didn't have anxiety, but it was heightening like a residual anxiety in me that would mean that I would overthink late at night. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, we all know the 3 a.m. wake up. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I said I wasn't going to drink and I've had a drink and I feel like rubbish and I've got a mouth like a carpenter's pocket and (laughs) rubbish. So it's like that feeling. I don't miss. Yeah. No, not I don't at all. Miss. I mean, how are you finding it now with with your marriage, and what's the dynamic like now? You know, it definitely. I would say it definitely helped our marriage. Me getting sober because I'm in my right mind when we do have any kind of a disagreement. I can, you know, stay level-headed in it. I have I I'm looking back at old arguments and things when I was a drinker. I do I did have a tendency to be a little bit more hot-headed or irrational or a little over the top about the smallest things. So we don't fight like hardly at all. And I think it's because I'm not being irrational. Now on the flip side, hard conversations. I used to use alcohol to give me that liquid courage to bring up a topic that maybe was hard for me to talk about because I, it's really, it's really hard to describe my drinking, but I, I never wanted to be, I'm an emotional person. I'm going to say it, but I used to think I wasn't. And I used to be proud of that. And I used to use alcohol though, to mask that, but I Mm. also used alcohol to help me when I needed to be vulnerable. And I know that's probably sounds so contradictive, but isn't that what alcohol's like? It, it, it it's is so, contradictory. Yeah. And it's really something that I've been like, I'm still exploring and still learning about myself 17 months sober. Like it's such, it was such a big part of why I was drinking and why I shouldn't have been drinking. And it's so wrapped up, but yeah, I would say at this point, now I have to push myself to have these conversations sober, which is really hard. But it's really rewarding because one, when I do have the conversation, it is coming from a clear head. There's no added dramatics to it from the al- being fueled by the alcohol. And and my husband doesn't drink as much as what? he used to. So that helps too, because now there's more opportunity for us to have a sober conversation where when we were drinking all the time, there was not a lot of time to have a conversation when we were either not drunk or hungover. And those are like the two worst times to have important conversations. I'm talking like life decision type conversations. I mean, we're raising a daughter, like there's all those things. And those conversations could go sideways really quickly if you're hungover or alcohol is involved. So now that I don't drink at all, he's taken a huge step back from his drinking. There's, there's a harmony that's happening within our yeah, home because of it you know and I think that's if, if alcohol does anything it adds discord 
doesn't it? It's that mm-hmm. kind of jarring of mm-hmm. the communication, mishearing, misunderstanding, mm. overreacting. And I would like to Or even I- forgetting the next day. Oh, yeah. One oh, of you I forgets have- and the other one doesn't. And then you're like pissed off. You're like, why are you mad? Well, you said this. I don't remember saying that. You know, it's just... I don't know if I should admit to this, but a few times because I would I would never say I didn't even know what blackout drunk was or being mm. a blackout. I didn't know what that meant particularly. I always thought that was passing out. And then I learned that it was um sort of not remembering something. So yeah. it's actually a part of the brain, you know, the transfer into the long-term memory. Like, That's so fascinating. Oh my goodness, that happened to me a lot. I was always forgetting the end of films. But the best thing was I would wake up in the morning and we'd obviously had words. And Dale would apologize to me in the morning. Oh, my God. I have no idea. What for? Did you say to him why? Like, I don't. You would just accept the. I accept your apology. You're (laughs) right. You were wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You were so wrong. (laughs) I He does know this. I mean, we are very, very honest. There's nothing we, we keep from each other. But yeah, at the time, I didn't let on. I'm right. like, I'm racking my brains going, okay, was I at fault? Do you know what? It doesn't matter. If he thinks he's at fault, then that's Then we'll fine. just, we're going to roll with it. No, no need to rehatch the whole conversation. No, I, I forgive you. Let's let it go. <laughs> I've let it go. So now you should let it go. <laughs> I know. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? But um, isn't it funny how it just, it affects you in ways you don't even think. I mean, we've had some silly rows over things and you're right I would say exactly the same thing in the you know my point was we have a strong marriage we have a good marriage there was no reason for us to be bickering the way that we'd got to in in I would say the last 12 months of our drinking it had gradually got to a point where we just bicker and I mean I know when you've been together a few years you you can get a little bit nitpicky but it was unbelievable and and I actually put it down to the fact we were going on holiday more which was something we'd chosen to do for the family and then we were drinking more mm-hmm. and of course it's like, I look back now and I go oh my god it's obvious we were just drinking more yeah thinking that that was having fun but then there were loads of little silly things going on and if you've already got that bickery mindset then oh wow you don't want to be drinking on top of it no. so now we don't argue we don't you know we we talk things through we do what we're supposed to do as adults you know yeah I know if I sit here and think about it I can't tell you the last time we had an actual what I would call fight Mm. I mean do we argue I don't know if I'd even say argue we've had hard conversations right we've had hard conversations we've had disagreements but it's never escalate escalated to an argument or a fight and yeah, I know we've had any any in, yeah. in the and I think seven. that's 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 the difference because you're always gonna have disagreements and you're always gonna have to have hard conversations. That's part of being in a relationship, that's part of a marriage. And if you're not, that's a red flag. Like if you're not having yeah, like if you're not, then there's something else going on. But to for it to not escalate into the arguments and the fighting, I mean, mm. that's huge. I mean, I would have a rule um, anyway. I would have a rule. That makes me sound really awful. But no, I would just say that we never <laughs> Who's ever... in charge over there? <laughs> oh dear. Um, but I would I would just say, and it's it's a rule, I suppose, in the house that sure. you don't you don't make things personal. 
Mm. Uh, because in arguments and fights, things can get personal, particularly if you've had a drink. And so that's why that, and I've always been like that, you know, say your piece, have a disagreement or whatever, no name calling, no nothing like that, you know, it just doesn't happen. So there's a, even in those arguments or disagreements, there's a level of respect, um, which you can lose, particularly if you've had a skinful. Mm-hmm. And then you're having an argument and you've got a point to prove. Mm -hmm. So I would say our, even our arguments were always constructive. Even if I didn't remember them, they'd have been constructive. (laughs) I mean, he apologized in the morning. So he obviously. Yeah, you did something right. (laughs) Um, He he always says, oh, you've got an answer for everything you have. And I went, yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I just. (laughs) You sound like my daughter. She has an answer for everything in an argument. I know it's annoying, but it, it'll hold her in good stead. <laughs> but yeah, he's, um, I think when it comes to arguments and things, we haven't had, I can't even think of one now. One of the things obviously we've got to deal with in early sobriety and sobriety is why we were drinking heavily. What mm-hmm. were the triggers? Why? Because I met Dale and he was a heavy drinker. This wasn't something I didn't, I didn't spoil him. Nope. <laughs> He was yeah. already doing it, and I was already doing it as well. And I. Where did you like, guys meet? Oh, um, we met. Uh, we were well. We sort of worked in the same place, but because he oh. was he was um like a plant he he plant like machine driver, big plant, okay. machine, big yellow things, cats, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he'd be out in in quarries and building sites doing that, and I worked in the marketing department of this one company, and. I was filming and doing videos and bits and pieces because that's my other hat. And I happened to film him, but I didn't know he was down in this quarry and he'd spotted me. And so when he came into the office for his timesheets or something, he spotted me in this little broom cupboard office where I was editing and said, oh, have you got that footage? And and I remember looking at him covered head to toe in dirt, thinking, oh, you're quite cute, actually. Oh. His hair was really long. His hair was really long. He's got was a big, big barrier because he's an ex-rugby player. And um, not long, long, but scruffy. You know, he hadn't yeah. had a haircut in a while. And it was the Christmas do that night. And he said, oh, I'll see you at the Christmas do. And it was just something. We made a beeline for each other. And I'd worked there two years at that point. He'd been there 19 years. And we oh, just gosh. hadn't crossed paths. Um, and then... Then we both, very shortly after, left the the business. I went and set up on my own, and he he went to a different company and got a, a better role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, but it was at the Christmas do. We were very drunk, <laughs> very very drunk. Our first kiss was not memorable, right? No, it was it was yeah. I, I did actually. In fact, I walked back into the pub afterwards. He'd walked back in. He'd said good night to me and given me a kiss, which mm-hmm. he thought was obviously his move. And um, I obviously wasn't impressed. So I walked back <laughs> and went, you can do better than that and dragged him back outside. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's awesome. Was set. But, yeah, we just started dating straight away. We were engaged within a month um, and then married the next year. And, you know, we just know. And we've had our challenges. We've had to work through some stuff. I mean, we, as a couple, we know how important it is that we're each working on our individual mental health, because otherwise you just end up taking it out on the other person. Yeah. And we've all got pasts and we've all got childhoods and we've all got all these experiences that have made us who we are. 
and those insecurities that bubble up. And those are the things that will cripple you if you don't mm-hmm. let go of them. Those are often the reasons you're drinking mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So we knew, and I, I sort of said, you know, you're going to have to, I go to therapy. I really, if, if you want to be in a relationship with me, I'm going to have to get you on the same, in the same yeah. mindset of sorting it out, letting it go. And so we can move on and be happy. And so he did. Again, fair play to him. Just went for it. He's just a really, you know, just really wanted a happy life. He, you could mm-hmm. see it in him. He just wanted to be happy. And mm-hmm. he was in a state when I met him that he wasn't happy. He wasn't in mm-hmm. a state. He was in a state of unhappiness. Right. And loneliness and just not feeling very self-confident, drinking too much. Um, so I'd sorted my mental health out. I just hadn't sorted my drinking out. Mm-hmm. That, that was the missing piece, but that's the biggest piece. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and- yeah. I mean, I worked on my, I've worked on myself for years. Um, I've always been self-aware, but alcohol always stood in the way. It was like, it's like trying to get over the hump, right? Like mm-hmm. you just, you can only get so far. And then it's like, because of the alcohol, you just can't get over that hump. And then you just kind of fall back down. And then you're, you're trying and you're trying and you're trying again. And then you get to the top and then it's like, you fall back down because you keep using the alcohol when it gets hard. You can't get, you can't have the breakthroughs until you work on the hard stuff. And if you're going to use alcohol, you you never get into the, like the hard shit. And I think that's the thing is that because I'd worked through a lot of my insecurities, I'd worked through, you know, I'd set up my business. I'd done all the things that I wanted to mm-hmm. tick off. And then, you know, we got together and and then he did all of that sort of stuff as well. He did the stuff he wanted to do and move jobs. And and now he's, you know, in a fantastic position. He loves his job. Uh, we're in a really, really great place, both of us. But having done that work on myself, it means I'm better placed than when I did go sober. I now am very aware. I'm now sober and aware of oh, that doesn't feel right, or that does feel right, I'm going to go towards that, or I'm not feeling this today, so I won't do something. And that's the thing alcohol switched off in me, was my intuition. Mm-hmm. That I have ended up doing jobs or things like that, that you just think, oh, really shouldn't have done that. Why didn't I listen to my gut yep. instinct with that? But Because you just come home and have a glass of wine and numb it. You just go, well, it doesn't matter, you know, and just you numb. quit trusting yourself. You quit yeah. trusting yourself and confidence. And then, of course, you let yourself down, don't you? And that's the yeah. thing. The next day, you let yourself down, or you, you know, you say you're not going to drink and you do drink. And so you feel that. And you're just that. proving over and over and over you can't be trusted. Yeah, you can't even trust yourself. So that's self confidence. So when I talk about confidence, because I know I, I bounce around and I'm very positive. Um, about my sobriety I have had tough times I am I'm very honest on Instagram about um, the you know things like my skin I had a real problem with my skin randomly and and, you know it's not all plain sailing it really isn't you've got to be working on your mental health you have to be doing that hand in hand because you drank for a reason but the one thing I will have noticed is that Dale as well has he's he's also really aware now of his mental health he really is and well he is that he was anyway but now sober you know he'll sit he'll he'll talk to me about his feelings he'll talk to me about what he's he's experiencing in a way that he never would have with a mm-hmm. beer in his hand yeah and that's 
massively enlightening I think I just mm -hmm. think that's I just think it's amazing when you see somebody go through any sort of transformation confidence wise but I my point I've just remembered what my point was um the confidence thing is that it's not just confidence to I don't know wear that skirt or right that kind of thing you know I'm not when I talk about confidence and my confidence returning I've got confidence that when I say I'm not going to drink tonight I know I'm not going to drink tonight and there's nothing more rewarding than that. There's no doubt. And when I was in that resetting loop, that was the confidence I lacked. And that, and it was kicking me every time I then go, oh, I'll have a drink then. Or mm -hmm. I'll, I've gone, mm -hmm. I've gone 21 days, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. um, it's Christmas. I grew to hate Christmas. Mm -hmm. I really did grow to hate Christmas. I mm -hmm. can't wait till next Christmas because it will be sober. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's that confidence in yourself confidence that you know you won't drink if you say you won't drink confidence that you'll get up in the morning and go to that meeting or take the kids to the cinema when you say you will rather than can we get out of it can I mm -hmm. find some excuse you know as I say drinkers are you know very selfish I was a very, very selfish person as a drinker um and you're just you're only thinking about yourself and the next drink and that's not in a, I've got to have a drink, I've got to have a drink way, but just, oh, is there going to be drinks at that party? Or um, do I need to have, shall I have a little glass of something now before we go out? Or that school thing tomorrow night, oh, God, means I'm not going to be able to drink. Mm -hmm. I'll have to have a drink after nine o'clock when I've brought you back. And so you just completely, everything revolves around it. All around drinking, yeah. It's Or nuts. even that planning things early in the mornings on weekends because you know you're gonna wake up feeling like shit mm. you know there's that side of it too it just all your time is yeah but yeah you don't you don't plan do you you don't plan in the mornings I remember <laughs> I don't know if you could choose the time of um, a train or something you wouldn't choose the early train no now, I don't care now. I'm like oh bring it on the day's young yeah. Get up. I'll be up at five you know I've got a toddler right. I'm lucky if I'm asleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People talk about sober sleep. The sober sleep I get is fantastic, but I wish Charlotte could get a bit more sleep. Yeah, you have an added layer. You have a toddler, so yeah. I mean, sleeps with us. Come on, let's can not. You, like, but let's talk about that for a second, though. Could you? I mean, you were doing it, having a small child, a toddler, a baby, and being a drinker. Have you noticed those late night? interruptions what oh. is it like now in contrast to when you were drinking I'm patient I, I just the word patience um not that I would ever I mean you wouldn't ever shout or snap or anything like that yeah but I just feel an inner calmness it's like okay it's three it's the irritability three, okay. is gone <laughs> let's go and watch Peppa Pig then or whatever mm -hmm. it is that you have mm -hmm. to do you know when they're sick I mean Charlotte's got this really awful cough at the moment that keeps waking her up and mm -hmm. and you've always got one ear open and even as a drinker though I will say I always kept my wits about me I would always have one me ear too. open I could always leap into action what I kick myself over is things like would I have been able to drive if she needed to go to A&E or something no and it's nothing that I have same thing I never thought about that till I got sober and like, then you go, well, in I'm hindsight, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so lucky that my child never had an emergency in the middle of the night 
where Blake or I would have to have drove her to the hospital. Like we would have had to call ambulance. We would have. Yeah. And, and, and this country, you, you'd be hard pushed to get one arrive. Um, you know, I think the thing is we had, we had two health scares with Charlotte um, last year. And I think that was something else, but we were doing so much like the odd day sober in the week, sober, that kind of thing by that point. So we've been sort of getting our act together for a little while. Um, but she had a rash that appeared um, and it was like an eczema related rash. Um, yeah. And it was late in the evening. I'd been to the GP. They'd said it's fine. They checked it. It wasn't meningitis or anything. So sent home. Um, and then my friend, who's a GP, saw some of the pictures because I'd sent them to her and she hadn't had a chance to look at them. And she said, Louisa, I don't want to worry you, but please do take her to A&E now if you can. Um, but it, I think it's something called eczema herpeticum. And it, it can make children very poorly. And I thought, oh, to hear my friend who never says anything worrying to say very poorly, I thought, I've got to get her. We've got to go. So I start panicking and we get into A&E and COVID restrictions are still in place. So it was only me allowed in there. And then I'm being told and I was sober. I was because I wasn't drinking that that day. I didn't drink. We were. It was in the week. We weren't drinking. And I was told that um, it was this eczema hepaticum. She needed an IV um drip 24 hours um i was told not to google it um obviously i googled it and it's so yeah it, of course you did yeah, yeah. Like, why are you telling me not to google it i'm gonna google it now um and it was attacking her in insides as well as you know it can cause blindness oh. it, can, it can um it's very very serious if left untreated now we've never had an instance and i'm sure as a drinker you'll think few we've been right. lucky we've never had an instance and that particular instance we, we hadn't drunk a lot anyway. Dale would probably have still been able to have driven if he had have had a beer because he was happy to dr drive on a beer. I would never do it. Um, so we would have found a way or got a taxi or whatever. We'd have done something. But those risks you take and you don't appreciate them. Um, and I have to say, you know, the, the trauma of it and then coming out of the hospital and the first thing I wanted to do was get a bottle of wine. Mm -hmm. Coming out of the hospital with her the following, like, two days later. It was like, are they going to let us out now? Brilliant. Okay, it's 10 o'clock at night. Where's an Asda open or a supermarket open? Mm -hmm. I, need, I need a glass of something. I've literally just spent the last 48 hours in a hospital not mm -hmm. sleeping. I'd been better off coming home and going to sleep. Right. Yeah, getting good and sleep, good quality this sleep. This thing out for her. I mean, we knew she was fine at that point and Dale wasn't going to have a drink, but I wanted I wanted that reward. I wanted that mm -hmm. association with that, that reward. That release. Yep. The reward, it was, it was silly. Yeah, I needed a good night's sleep and just to process it, you know, mm -hmm. um, to and it. you didn't want to process, you didn't want to process it. Oh, it was gosh. too much. It was, it was really scary and she's fine yeah. now. Thank goodness, and, um, just very, very grateful. But I mean, how many times does, do we do this sort of thing? How many times mm -hmm. do we go out and just think, oh, well, it's fine. But now I am, and this is the thing I love. I am now. The person with the car keys in an emergency and I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready no matter what. I'm in the middle of the night with Charlotte or with Izzy. I'm up. I'm awake. Mm -hmm. They're sick. I'm there. I'm calm. I'm resigned to the fact I'm now awake uh, and I stay up and stay awake. If I was drinking, I'd be like, oh, can I just go back to sleep? Just want to go mm -hmm. back to sleep. Right. That's all you want. You want to sleep it off. You want to feel better. I mean, how did you think like the, the young years because I'm obviously in the early years with Charlotte 
Did did you drink a lot when Adeline was young? Oh yeah, a lot. So did, a... She, did she sleep well or? She did sleep well. Um, I stayed home with her, so I didn't have to get her up in the mornings. So she learned to just go to bed when we would go to bed, and then she would sleep in till like nine a.m. But in the early early days, when she's a baby and she needs to be fed throughout the night, mm. no. And then there was a phase, and I, you know, it seems so long ago. She's going to be fifteen, and there's been a lot of drinking since then so my my memory is not <laughs> not what it was <laughs> not what it was but None I do but I can tell you that I know it wasn't pleasant it wasn't a pleasant experience having to get up with a with a very small baby or small child and you know there was a phase too after we moved from Illinois to Omaha she was not quite three yet. And she, I think it was because we were in a new home. She would get up and want to sleep with us. And I ended up doing, I can't remember what the method is called. It's escaped. Tell me me what it is. I will, I will. Yeah. I will give you all. It's, it's a process though. And my pediatrician told me to do it and it took a month, but it worked and she quit coming in our room and I'll explain all of it to you because it's very lengthy, but anyway, but having to do that process, I couldn't drink very much during the week. Well, I couldn't hardly drink at all because it wasn't just a during the week thing. It was like every day for a month, but I did still drink. And I remember the nights that I drank too much and I didn't feel well. And I had to like get up and do this whole process thing with her to get her back into her bed because um, it required me sitting with her until she fell back asleep. And I'm just like wanting to just you know, my, I'm heavy eyed, I'm nauseous. I have a headache. I'm thirsty. Like just the icky feeling that you feel that you want to sleep through. You know, Mm -hmm. I just remember that being, and if, and if I was sober, I mean, that experience would have been a lot better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it would have sucked, but I wouldn't have been so, and I was very irritable and cranky then the next, in that whole month, really just running on basically no sleep. And then added alcohol to it because I'm stressed because I'm dealing with this with my kid. And yeah, mommy, mommy wine. Yeah, mommy needs wine. Oh, don't even get me started on mommy needs wine. I fell for it. Mm, I fell for it. I've been in marketing for 20 years and I should know this stuff. And I fell for it. That's how good it is, though. And it's it's another component of that enabling because we need things to tell us that what we're doing is okay. Yeah, and it's the... I mean, I've I found and have so many pictures of me with a glass of something in my hand, and I'm sure everybody will say the same thing. And I would have posted it all over social media. Look, mm-hmm. I'm having a great time. Mm-hmm. I might just had a row or something, but I'm having a great time. You know, smiles. And I was incredibly good at that fake smile that never really reached my eyes. And mm-hmm. now it reaches my eyes, and now the smile is real. And now I've got nothing in my hand. And if I do have anything in my hand, it will be a coffee, you know, or a water or something. Or, you know, I, I sort of did a post about this today that, that I like. One of the things I've learned in sobriety is always to put whatever you're drinking in a nice glass. Yep. That is the key for me. It doesn't matter what I'm drinking as long as it's cold. It's got ice, a slice of something. It could be tonic water. It could be tap water, anything. And mm-hmm. then I feel like joining in. Mm-hmm. Without, you know, having the the bad head at the end of it. So I right. feel 
amazing about it. Yeah, we can still have pretty, pretty drinks. And I mean, that was part of it too, right? Like the the labels and the the glass and the coloring and all of that, the fanciness, like that fed into it as well. It made us feel sophisticated and an adult. We can still do pictures, that. You know, all the yeah. pictures over social media and the holding the glasses up. I can still uh-huh. do that. I can still do that. Still I totally do that. Version. Yep. I'm a bit of a bugger now, really. I'm more of a, I'll hold up my coffee. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm actually out there sober um I don't mind I'm shouting it from the rooftops because I think that the more people if I'd have seen more people like me going hang on Mm -hmm. a minute she liked to drink you know didn't she wasn't she Mm -hmm. the party girl Mm -hmm. he's gone sober why Mm -hmm. are you an alcoholic or did what happened did you hit rock bottom no I didn't I realized it was bad for me and I stopped doing it and it was hard Mm -hmm. to stop doing it Mm -hmm. um so but it was the best thing I ever did. And so that I do shout about because I just think there's going to be somebody out there in that gray area drinking, as it's called, thinking, I want to do something about this, but I haven't seen anyone out there doing it because that's what I felt. 10 years ago when I first wanted to go sober, nobody, I didn't know anybody that was sober. Any, I think I knew one person who'd been sober like 15 years and still lamenting the fact that they couldn't have a drink. And I thought, well, sod that. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have any sort of happy role models or happy people out there just going, look, this is not a bad thing. And in my clinic, and this is something I realized, I, I now have more people coming into my clinic that don't drink. So they're coming to me for something else completely. But they don't drink alcohol because I ask alcohol consumption questions, not for judgment, but because if they have sleep issues or they're looking to lose weight or various things, it, it, alcohol impacts it. Yeah. So I mean, my job is constantly talking one way or another about alcohol. So I couldn't dodge the bullet any longer last year. It was becoming to, it was sort of feeling inauthentic. I had to mm-hmm. do something. About it. But the majority of people now just don't drink. Mm. Or if they're coming to see me, they're coming to see me because they go, actually, I'd like to cut back or stop or so I think it's just becoming a conversation that people are having more and more. And mm-hmm. initially, I didn't want anyone to know that I was going sober in the therapy world. And now I share content from both accounts, from my business to the sober one and vice versa. And I'm now out there saying, no, you, do you know what? I don't care if you say anything. I don't care if you don't want to come to me. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not going to make anyone go sober. I'm not suddenly right. going to slip something into your hypnosis. <laughs> well, that'd be that'd be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> but no, that can't happen. That can't it can't happen. <laughs> no, it can't. It's, it's so I'm seeing a shift. I'm seeing a shift now, mm-hmm. um, and it's wonderful to see young people coming to me, going, "Oh no, mm-hmm. I don't drink." It was it was playing havoc with my anxiety or whatever mm-hmm. it is they say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's refreshing. And do you know what? I sit there and I smile. I go, yeah, me too. Sober. And I love it. I just love feeling that authentic. And then people say, well, can you tell me how you did it? Or or they'll say they're struggling with something. And I go, okay, I know. Because I mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And I think half, you know, things are sent to us for a reason. Half the reason I did go through the rough early days was so that I had the experience of it. Yeah. So that I could help other people with it. So 
yeah, it's, I never regret the decision at all. No rose-tinted glasses here. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at thisisstephsober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.